It's planting season, and it's not too late to make sure your crops grow up fed and happy. Regardless of your spring crop, Fed and Happy offers a variety of worm-casting solutions in liquid and solid form to supercharge your soil, your yields, and your profitability. For fast, vibrant germination and seedling growth, mix your seed with Fed and Happy's screened granular castings pre-drilling. The Fed and Happy liquid seed treat and extracts offer the ideal mix of soluble solids loaded with living beneficial biology, mycorrhizal fungi, humates, and more. The Fed and Happy small spreadable castings are ideal for fast, easy soil incorporation. The large offer long-term stability and soil growth. But you don't have to figure this out on your own. Just call 833-GO-WORMS to speak with our farm team experts for a fast turnaround on a custom solution for your needs. Fare better against pests, disease, drought, and other potential hazards this season with Fed and Happy Worm Castings. Visit FedandHappy.com for a healthy harvest and any lawn, garden, and tree care needs. Available for pickup and on-farm delivery. That's F-E-D-N-Happy.com. Or call 833-GO-WORMS. Happy planting. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's high time. We had a high time. Together. Together. Yes, it's high time. We had a high time. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and Cannabis Lifestyle Guide. And we're doing things a little bit different this week because I'm on a deadline and there's something really important going on in the world that we need to talk about. And I've been having a conversation lately about the coronavirus and about wellness and, and just really what's happening globally in general with a good friend and mentor of mine, Elion Williams. And he happens to be in Oakland today. And so we were going to have a chat and I told him to just stop talking. I was going to turn the mics on and we would get our latest and greatest update on what's happening in the world. And the reason I want to talk to you about this is because in the cannabis culture, we're such a giving and sharing culture that, you know, we need to be aware of what's going on out in the world because we don't need to necessarily be puff, puff passing right now. You know, we need to be doing a lot of things in our own homes, with our own bodies, with our own health to make sure that we are protecting ourselves because a lot of what we're hearing and reading about the coronavirus is inaccurate. And, um, and Elion has access to information and he digs in places where a lot of us don't look. And he's an excellent person at connecting dots and putting together big picture views of what's going on and creating action plans around those. So Elion, thank you for joining me in this kind of environment to talk about this. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for having me. It's, um, it's actually really nice to be in Oakland and to get out to Southern California for a few minutes. So, um, I, I'm enjoying having this conversation. And as you had mentioned, um, within the last week or two, the amount of information that's become available from China or from Thailand through uh, different sources, whether they would be direct media sources on the ground over there, there's individuals that I know that have individuals that they deployed over there for information. Um, it, it's just really important that we share this information so that we can start becoming aware of what the problem is here in the U.S. so that we can start preparing ourselves. And that's what I've been talking with uh, many of my closest friends about this week is what do we do to start preparing? Yeah, and the conversations that you and I have, they've really changed the way I'm moving through my own city right now. Like, you know, yesterday I was going to San Francisco to meet one of my girlfriends in Dolores Park. And as I'm getting on BART and, you know, and there's people coughing around me and stuff, you know, I'm a little bit more on alert. And when I get to Dolores Park, do I really want to go sit in the middle of all of those people? Or do we want to find that little cozy, quiet spot over there by ourselves? You know, and I think right now, if someone were to be looking at the news, reading mainstream media, they would say that I'm being 
crazy and overreacting because all this stuff is happening in China. And there's just been like these little whispers of things happening in the U.S. But the information that I'm learning from you is like, no, my spidey senses going up is on point. And so I'd just like you to to share like some of the stuff that you're reading and learning and connecting and and help us create, first of all, a full picture view of what's happening so that we feel empowered to take the steps necessary to make sure that we're taking care of our own health and well-being. Absolutely. And in harmony with that thought, um, we never want to have an an alarmist mentality, you know, when we talk about these topics and subject. And um, it's a real fine balance between the two because as I even myself read a lot of information trying to pick apart what's truth and what's not, uh, we as individuals or as as whole families, um, responsible family heads, um, we need to have different methods for being able to determine how much we can glean from the newspaper or from uh, the news that we're listening to. And um, and I think that's one of the things that really got me on to the coronavirus because, to be quite frank, it had been in the news for almost two or three weeks, and I really didn't pay a lot of attention to it. And yet I was listening, and um, some of the things that I had been taught in the past, and, and speaking of the past, my history goes back all the way to like 1993, 92. Well, your history goes back way further than that. It, it goes back further <laughs> but, than that. But there, there was a um, there's a little girl that was confronted with ADD, ADHD, and um, parents, especially of, of of young ones, would be able to relate to this, which is there wasn't a lot of information back then, and so you had to start picking apart, you know, the research or what you would be told by your doctor um, or just information that was passed from parent to parent. And um, that particular time in my life, I was involved with a number of companies that were bringing into the country cutting edge nutraceuticals or nutritionals that had some type of measurable health effect, whether um, they had been validated in the country or out of the country. Uh, we had to start determining as as individuals in sports or um, that were responsible for other individuals, you know, well, where do we start drawing the line when we are looking at these new technologies? And um, when we're reading in the paper about information, you know, that's available, we're trying to read a research report to come to determination. Do I use this for myself? Do I introduce this to my athletes? Or, you know, is this good for older people or younger people? And I think my journey really to the coronavirus today started back then at that time because I had to learn how to do that. And in fact, one of my sayings is, you know, it's really the power of parents or the power of, you know, when we say the mother of necessity really is a powerful motivator. And so from that experience and listening to the researchers and the such like that, we have some very clear evidence as to how we should feel about the coronavirus today. And I think one of the most important moving factors outside of what we hear in the papers or, or we read in the papers and uh, we we hear on television or on the internet is that there are certain things that you just can't hide. We have this count. They give us this count all every day and we see the number of deceased and we see the number of infected. Then we pick up a newspaper in China with a reporter that's in China and then we read, okay, well, they're destroying more than 350 bodies per day at one crematorium and upwards of uh, 900 at another crematorium. And then the article goes on to say, and there are now backlogs of bodies to be destroyed. And so it, it makes you stop and think about, well, where is this count that there are only 811 dead? And at that time, I think it was more like 600. So information as we move forward and in, in addressing the coronavirus, um, where did it come from? When I first started reading about it, the first thing that I was told when I started asking individuals, you know, well, what are you hearing? Well, of course we get, you know, it came from, you know, raw snake. It was a market and it was animal derived. And then the interesting thing past that was I happened to already know that there are Based on past research, there are some laboratories that the WHO, World Health Organization, has that um, it's aware of in that particular area in Wuhan. 
and um, and they are like biological laboratories, and they have different ratings. And I go, well, the one or two that I knew of uh, was known for leakages for not being. And I learned of that one with the SARS virus when the SARS virus, you know, when we were researching. And so, at any rate, the long story made short was I started paying attention, and I started looking at physical factors such as, well, if you're destroying. 350 at one and upwards of 900 and you have a count of bodies left over, then who are these people dying and why Why is our count yeah. so low? The basic math wasn't working. The basic math wasn't working. Or there was another um, article that I had read where they were talking about the number of destruct, um, uh, destroyed hazmat suits. And I remember thinking about the number of infected and I go, wow, that number of infected was such a low number. I'm like, why would they be destroying tens of thousands of hazmat suits, and you have barely two handfuls of infected individuals, let alone no one real dying, really dying. So the math didn't add up between what I was learning about, you know, uh, the effects of the coronavirus on the ground versus uh, what we were seeing in the count. And then there were other specific factors such as um, in China, they're putting under quarantine millions of people millions of people. And yet we're reporting that there are only 28,000. And at that time, it wasn't even 28,000. So with the information that I've been armed with in the past, it was, to me, a reasonable person would deduce that, okay, the numbers that we're hearing just can't be true. The other side is if China has such a fast infection rate and the death toll is so high, then I started doing a little bit more digging as to, well, when did this really start? And the interesting factor was is there was a term, there was a Wuhan uh, pneumonia. And I go, interesting, well, is the Wuhan pneumonia the same as coronavirus? So long story short is that uh, they first started tracking the pneumonia back in December of 2019. And there was even in the paper where there was a uh, a request made, a shout out actually, to, um, to reporters to make sure that they divide, you know, and, and separate the Wuhan pneumonia count from the coronavirus account. And I'm going, wow, this is really interesting. This is really bad. This has been going on since December. They're telling us only 28,000 people are infected. And how do we have that since December, January? We're going into February. And then I'm looking at numbers such as there were eight that had pneumonia, and the next day they, were, they went from eight dead to 89 dead. So there was just no way that someone can convince me at that time that the math was right as to what we were hearing and what we were not hearing. So for me, um, my history has always been about bringing solutions to the table. And when it comes to certain protocols that um, as a nutritionist, um, I was a medically board, I, was, I had a, a medical board certification for nutrition and fitness um, I, since six years old, I grew up um, in martial arts, but my mother believed that there was a spiritual quality to it. So she uh, made sure that I was um, apprenticed. I didn't just go to a school. I was apprenticed by a master. Or when we moved, uh, she made sure that I landed at the Shaolin Temple because I had already had individuals that were from China as tutors and as instructors, as masters. So in the temple, one of the things was that you had to learn how to heal before hurting. So you can't just learn, you know, how to kick and punch. We had to learn things like history. We had to learn things like basic herbology is what we would call it today. And um, how to massage out a muscle if you actually hit someone and you maim them or, or hurt them, um, how to revive them. So it was really about healing versus hurting. So all... Drawing from that experience, you know, starting early on in my life and literally almost treating, you know, health like a game of add-on and adding on research after research, you come to three determinations of factors in solving health problems, which I was very good at. One is there's typically an inflammation component. Um, two, when you're dealing with a bacteria or a virus um, of whichever, there is a, a heat signature. Um, there's a thermal ability to be able to deduce. In the Orient, they have had for thousands of years uh, deduced the functionality and the five elements of how the body functions between the small, between the large intestine and the lungs. So this is all to simply say that as I'm listening to this information, the way that my mind works is I hear this information and it literally goes to work on solving the problem. 
So the conversation that I've been having this week with a lot of my friends, my closest friends, literally, is, well, what do we do? We're not really hearing that we have uh, more infected individuals in the U.S., but then I'm looking at the rate of infected in China, and I'm saying to myself what they're saying in the news, which is there's a two-week incubation period, a seven-day incubation period. Then they say, we don't know. There's individuals that showed negative, and then they were tested positive as one student that was in Canada. She was first tested negative, then when they tested her in Canada, she was positive. So I'm thinking to myself, there is no clear line. You can't really tell. So how do we know how many individuals here are infected? So what would I do first in order to set up, you know, our first line of defense? And so the first thing that I that I know about a virus is one of the easiest ways to set up a, a defensive system um, and, you, and having the body to actually be ready to be reactive, to defend itself, is in the gut. Because 80% of our immune system, we know today it's pretty lay information that 80% of our immune system is in our gut. You know, it has a lot to do with our bacteria. And so um, my brain went to work in figuring out, well, let's see. We set up containment chambers, and when you have a bacterial or a viral issue that's attacking in the gut and you need to um, have your bacteria and your, your gut microbiome react to that, the best thing to do is you have to have the gut seal itself off. So I started looking at the nutritionals today um, in companies, which I have no direct affiliation with, um, who is producing reputable uh, products that um, had known research behind the ingredients, which I could look at very quickly. Um, but I also had reviews for products that had been on the market um, that were known to help heal the gut and help the gut to naturally produce certain um, reactions, chemical reactions that would help seal the gut. The second thing was, well, once my gut is, is ready, um, in Chinese five element theory, when you have an issue um, with your lower intestine, it's in the meadow family. So by by default, you also have to look at the lung. They're, they're directly related. Now, as I'm thinking about this, I'm reading about the coronavirus, and lo and behold, as I'm reading, it says, well, yes, there's upper respiratory issues. Then I read on to different articles, and they said, well, look, they had nausea first and diarrhea first, which would be a gut issue. And then I read more, and they were like, yeah, then after that, then they had respiratory issues in the lungs. And I'm going, wow, this is really interesting because in our five-element theory, in the meadow, we have lung and large intestine. And so it started falling in very nicely. So then I started looking at, well, what defense could I have for both lung and large intestine? I sealed off the gut. And then the next thing, my brain went to work and says, hey, you need an economical way in order to be able to address the lungs. The lungs are very difficult because every time you breathe air in, you're breathing in all the germs and the viruses and everything mm -hmm. that would be in the air and it's coming directly into your body, which is why it's smart that the lungs are associated with you know, our gut because that's where our immune system is. So the, my default after doing nutrition since like 1993 um, was uh, ozonated water. Because of the fact that we have machines today that are incredibly cost-effective to where you can ozonate water, um, every time that I have a thought, the first thing I do is I go validate it with regular research. So I started looking at what the uh, um, gov.pub has in um, the National Institute of Health and some of the different uh, publishers of our research, and lo and behold, it did not take me but two attempts to find ozone actually does defeat viruses. And so as I started reading down and drilling down in the research, we want to get more specific. So we have a coronavirus here, and, um, and it's a virus, and it's, uh, there's two different types of viruses. There's one, let's just say for lay terms, there's one that's with a coat um, or one that's without a coat, one that's enveloped and one in an envelope and one that's not enveloped. In this case, this one is enveloped, so it may make it a little bit more you know, difficult to, to defeat. But then I started reading the research, and it was interesting because um, the ozonated water actually defeated both types of virus. Now, they can only get so specific because this was research from the past, and this version of coronavirus is considered to be new. But the, the very um, framework of the virus itself has been said to be along the lines of SARS. And so at any rate, the long story short, as I read through the research, I was happy to find that the ozonated, um, uh, the ozonated defense 
was relative to what we're experiencing today in Corona. And let's unpack that a little bit because, you know, when you say ozonated, my simple brain kind of goes like, oh, that sounds like ozone layer. Like what's the, what is this connection? Like, is this completely separate? Like how does this work? And, you know, what does that mean to ozonate your water? Good question, because we have an ozone later in, you know, uh, in, in our atmosphere <laughs> and there's the, you know, the holes. Are we pulling that down? It, it, for uh, for sake of conversation, where most of us are familiar with H2O water, right? Mm -hmm. Two hydrogen and one oxygen. Well, there are certain machines through their processes will actually allow three oxygen molecules to be combined together. Once they're, uh, those three are combined together, we consider them to be reactive oxygen species. Right. And so in that, with those three oxygen uh, molecules combined together, you have ozonated water. Okay. And so we've got supercharged oxygenated water. Yes. Okay. And so the good thing about this is, and when I'm doing research for individuals um, like myself, where we're out here trying to solve problems, you can literally go and research ozone water or ozonated water, O3, ozonated water and viruses, and you're going to come up with, you know, research right there in your browser. It's not as though we have to dig that deep. Yeah. Now, with that said, and as you and I had uh, shared a little bit earlier, um, I was happy to find that in uh, Hubei uh, and in Thailand, they had um, published an article on, I believe it was February 5th. And so here it was, the validation came. Ozone is relative and defeating the virus. And they specifically in the article said the coronavirus. So I was happy that the years of research and <laughs> sweat equity that goes into building, you know, a nutritional practice was really paying off because that's exactly where my mind was going. And so I want to go back to that same mentality where we don't want to be alarmist, but we want to do things that are relative. And why I like that is because whenever I would come up with a program for a person or a family, cost is always effective. And I deal with a lot of single parents or large families where cost is very relative. Older individuals, cost is relative. If you tell a person you need to take six different nutritional supplements today, a single supplement can cost you $69, $70. So to tell a person that, listen, to defend and set up your body to fight a single virus episode. Yeah, your family of seven, you'll need to, you yes. know. There's thousands of dollars thousands on supplements. Of dollars. And interesting because family heads put that number together really fast or those that are on a fixed income, they're already at their budget limit now. So the point is, is that the availability of machines that will allow you to do this on an even elementary level so that you have the water because sometimes people will try, they will actually uh, ozonate olive oil and different oils. Uh, for their own medicinal purposes. But the point is, is just simple water. The machines are very cost effective and you have a machine that you've purchased one time. And I will include links to the, the prebiotics, probiotics, this, what is this machine called? I'll include all this in the show notes for everyone. It, it's an ozone machine. It, there, it, it has, yes, there's a number A72 for that particular model, but it's a, for our, for sake of discussion, it's an ozone machine. All right. Well, I'll include links to all this so people don't have to, you know, pull over and take notes right now. <laughs> yes, that and there's like, I don't know, 200 or 100 different models. There's enough models for most people to get confused. And so back to the heart of the conversation is preparation. We want to start doing things to prepare in our country now where we're not getting a lot of information, where we're being alarmed that there are a number of infected but if you can imagine, even if the when we do learn how many are infected or there are infected, and you know it's no longer a China problem, um, China closed off a city, and when individuals learned of the closing happening, the quarantine taking place, they fled to Hong Kong. We read that cruise ships have infected. We know that in Hong Kong, Hong Kong has direct connections with most of the world. Yeah. Cruise and ships are like a floating petri dish. Yeah, I'm just literally, <laughs> literally, literally floating petri dish. Yes, and you can't jump off either. Somebody tried that and it didn't turn out too good. So you have to stay. And so the the good news though is 
I was really happy to read that, you know, the things I had been talking about, we're talking about now to my family and my friends. Uh, hey, listen, go ahead and invest a few dollars in this ozone. Now, I'm also happy to say, because I say this to them, the worst possible case scenario is that you start using the water, drinking the water, and and you're not supposed to breathe in ozonated air. However, it's kind of a byproduct, so you typically do, but, you know, the encouragement is don't sit there and, you know, close yourself up and breathe in for hours thinking that you're going to solve your problem maybe in, in one moment, in one shot. The fact of the matter is it's a natural byproduct, but the point is is that they can actually prepare and keep it cost-effective before we have it spread this way to where we're getting these large counts as what we're hearing in China and where we're starting to hear because of, you know, because of the individuals uh, having their own massive exodus from the coast of China into Hong Kong. Well, and the thing that I really appreciate about it is that I'm not a sitting duck in your model. You know, I'm like, I don't have to just be a victim waiting for my turn. It's like I can be proactive and make sure that I am healthy as a horse. And even if the virus does come knocking at my door, I am, you know, I'm ready to defend myself against it. So I appreciate that. But I'm also a doer. You know, I'm not somebody that's going to sit around and wait. So I'm trying to produce more of those amongst the casually baked audience. So, you know, it is just these few simple things that if we can do that and um, and then spread the word amongst our family and friends, um, you know, that we can kind of be proactive on this, be in front of it if that's possible. Yes, and in harmony with that, it's both. With this viral issue, it may take a year, let's say, for it to reach the entire globe. The more individuals that are armed, let's just say with the ozone water, first and foremost, you can make ozone water, create it. You can put it in a storage container. You can take it with you. If you want to purchase something like an N95 mask, you can purchase that and you can still drink the water and put the mask back on. Um, you, you, the point is, is that it's portable, it's portable. So it, you can take it with you. So it's something that you have, you know, that you're taking it. You have to hydrate. Now, aside from hearing about the coronavirus, the coronavirus causes, um, lung issues and namely pneumonia. So by default, if a person looked up, um, ozonated water and pneumonia, what they would find is that it's also been, uh, relatively effective at helping individuals. Now I say relative because there's just no way to predict every single person's state of health as to where it is. And maybe someone was already very unhealthy before the virus took them, right? Um, affected them. And so in this particular respect, what I'm saying is not only is that we're talking about the coronavirus, but the secondary type of uh, infection or um, health uh, challenge that someone may have now addressing pneumonia, if you already are challenged with um, lung issues or asthma or the such like that, it would be beneficial to start now mm-hmm. and not when we start getting large counts. And the hope is, is that now that even on the other side of the globe, that Thailand is producing the knowledge. I was so happy to see in the paper that there are a lot of machines out there that people can actually start, you know, um, helping themselves and positioning themselves so that we don't have the same reaction as to what they're what they're having in, in Hong Kong, such as we're in our home and we're just not prepared. Now, the, the last thing that I really want to cover from, you know, this standpoint, we're talking about the coronavirus. We're talking about the pneumonia the coronavirus can actually cause. The other effects that we have to be aware of uh, in China... Uh, we we were looking at the um, picture of the um, of the heat uh, of the heat picture, a heat graph, where you could see the and they took um, account of the sulfur in the air, and they are talking about the death black cloud because of burning so many bodies. And if a person lived in like Southern California, we can relate because we have those small clouds that just kind of linger and you know in different parts of the county. Uh, if you can imagine that being caused not just by smog but 
solely by dead bodies being burned. You could imagine why having a breathing apparatus may be helpful, not because of the virus, but because now of what it's going to take to try to eradicate the virus mm -hmm. and to keep us safe. So what I'm saying is you have three levels of preparation. One, you would want to start storing up um, a little at a time as budget allowed, since you don't have to be an alarmist, um, of dry goods and canned goods. Canned goods have fluid. If uh, you can't um, use certain amount of water at any given time, the can has water. And if you have something that needs water, it has, it has fluid. So you can have a dry good and you can have the fluid within the can. So you're not trying to store um, some ungod amount of gallons of water that you can't take with you mm -hmm. and you can't eat, but you do need food. Um, the next thing beyond the food and making preparations, you know, through can and dry goods um, is water. And at some particular point in time, if you can imagine a city like in China where they have millions quarantined, the first question that came to my mind is, how are they going to feed them? How do they make sure we, in America, we have, um, we have counties and cities that we have had to actually transport water into because there wasn't enough good drinking water. In fact, I'm thinking of an incident in Tennessee at one point in time where I was reading where they had a truck drinking water in. We had Hurricane Katrina. Almost everybody is familiar with Hurricane Katrina and mm -hmm. what happened when they couldn't get resupply of food and of water. So just making these small preparations aside from preparing our body, now preparing our pantry from that side, you know, that standpoint, and not stampeding, you know, all when we get these these crazy counts or if if they do come to if it does come to that, we're prepared. And again, I could tell my friend the worst possible thing that you could be, you know, um, upset at me is now you're healthier, your gut is working better. Um, when you seal the gut with the products that we recommend, you know, most people are happy to learn that uh, one of the luxurious byproduct is losing six percent of your body weight. And I've had most people be happy about that. <laughs> right. So no um, coronavirus and a six pack. And a six yes. pack, right. And oh, so, um, you know, and then when we speak of the water, the different reasons that we use ozonated water, it's a really good cleaner. In fact, um, the way the machines work, if you can imagine a fish tank and we have to put oxygen in the fish tank for a fish. The same size tube we use for that is the same size tube that comes from most of the conventional machines we typically recommend. And the the aerator on the very bottom looks exactly the same. Some are some are just small circular balls. And and I've had several fish tanks. So I remember my first reaction when I looked at this, I go, wow, this is exactly what I would put in my fish tank. Except them connecting it to a machine instead of just having an air pump is now creating for me that um, that triple oxygen molecule and putting it in the water. So the first time I did it, I turned on the machine, it, the water started bubbling, and I looked at the water and I go, okay, it looked so clear. And I could smell the residual smell from it putting the oxygen in the water. And the other byproduct was uh, I did it in my office at the first time is, you know, you have these different smells that come and go from your office and, um, you know, just from the cleaners and the, their vacuuming. And all of a sudden I noticed the air was just, it had this, it had kind of this odor to it, but it wasn't like offensive, but I could smell it was no other smell in there without mm -hmm. having to use, you know, some type of fragrance. It yeah. was just clean. Well, it's kind of like when you're you're walking around and all of a sudden you you smell the air and you're like, oh, wow, it's about to start raining. Yes. You know, you just notice yes. a distinct different smell. Yes, yes. And um, and at that time, too, I, I had just gotten um, uh, Stella, a uh, little German short hair pointer. And, um, and so uh, I had Stella in the office, and that was always one of my first concerns is, what are people going to say when they smell my dog? And you couldn't smell her at all. I mean, she didn't really have a bad smell anyway, but, you know, she's a puppy. Yeah, so she missed a, a couple still. of times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she missed a couple of times. So, but the, the point is, is that the tube that went into the water. Now, I'm a skeptic by nature, right? I think the Chinese have me as like the year of the monkey. We sit there and we watch, you know, we, we're, we're watchers. We, we analyze things. So I, I'm a skeptic, never had a machine like this before in my life. I'm looking, well, how do I know it's working? I can smell this. And I see it bubbling and the water looks so clear and the water tastes really good. And so I'm looking at it and I'm going, but how do I know it's working? 
And so the tube, though, became my illustration over a period of time because the tube that entered the water right at the surface level and into the, into the container was actually stark, clean, white, 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. And the tube that exited the surface of the water and then ran to the machine over a period of time started turning brown. It oxidized. And I go, wow, there it is right there in front of me. The tube that's in the water that's getting oxygenated, completely clean. So I started telling my friends when they would come over, my clients, when they would say, well, how do I know that water is any good? And I would go, look at the tube, the part that's going in the water, that's my body. See how clean and clear that is? <laughs> and the part that's out and it's brown, that's probably your body because you're not using the water. <laughs> so most people got the picture. So but once you once you do that, if after you've ozonated the water, how long can you store that? So say I made a, a big picture of it, and the, how long is it okay? How long is it like that before? That is a good question. Here's my answer to that. Read the instructions on the machine <laughs> that you are using. The reason is because there's different lengths of time in which you can ozonate the water based on the size of the container. Mm -hmm. So if I didn't have a lot of time, I may only do it for a minute or so, and that may only be enough ozonation in the water to last, let's say, 20 minutes. But then there's where I'm ozonating the water and I let it run and it's a lot of water and it's in a closed container and I could put it in the refrigerator and it's going to be there for a couple of hours. So on every machine, depending on the setting, it will usually tell you instructions like that, how long to do it for what. As I mentioned, some individuals ozonate oils. And so it's going to mm -hmm. stay differently in an oil than it would in the water. And so most manufacturers will um, impart that information to you. Mm -hmm. Right on. Well, so, you know, I we are getting off numbers and, and, you know, bits and pieces of truth and information. So what is, because, you know, when every time I talk to you, I want to know the latest. So what is what is the latest right now? The latest right now. Well, we flashed through, and I'm going to just kind of go back in my mind uh, a few minutes ago when we first started talking um, uh, before we got on the mic. The fact of the matter is, is there was a doctor who did some statistical count and had counted as many as 50,000 per day in China being affected. That's a huge number. And interestingly enough, he um, has made a YouTube video, and he has made his statistical results known in writing. So a person can look at the video and go over the statistics as well. The other side of that is China really is starting to try to step up its efforts. But the challenge is this, is how do you burn enough bodies now that the infection rate is so high? This is where, as a global family, we're going to be challenged. And this is very important. Everybody has to brace themselves because how are you going to feel when you read that a country is now using bulldozers to move someone's mother or father or child or aunt or uncle. And that's where China really is. They're really struggling with this. The bodies are building up so fast that they're, they're, the news is saying they have to contemplate using bulldozers just because of the statistics saying it's not stopping, it's not slowing down. The Chinese paper that I was reading which thanks to modern technology, once you know which papers are reporting, can easily be translated into English, were saying exactly that. They were giving account as to the maximum number of bodies that could be burned in the crematoriums. And they were maxed out and backlogged. So they're really struggling. When you hear a country virtually mandating martial law, and we can call it medical law, martial law, the fact is they were going to close up shop and stop people coming and going from city limits in this in our modern age. Mm -hmm. So not only in our own country are we making preparations within our household, but I think as a, as a human family, we need to start embracing the psychological impact of watching other countries as they struggle through, as we wonder what our own count is here in the U.S. on our own shore. And along with that, here's a topic I've been talking to my friends about. We also have to psychologically prepare that not everyone in the world is going to be um, embracing this as um, an opportunity to show the best human qualities. We know because of 9-11 that Osama bin Laden and, and that particular group wanted us here in America to feel the pain. And they brought the pain. 
They brought a lot of pain with those with those planes. And so we have to then start preparing ourselves psychologically as we watch the rest of the world that we have to be prepared for, you know, what the other side or forces, if you want to call them, of not good, evil, or what have you, whatever the label, is that just there are going to be some people that are going to look at this with a different opportunity. They're not after China or they're not after Hong Kong. But we already know as, a, as Americans here in, in our country that not everyone likes us. So we just really have to now psychologically start preparing that the coronavirus, it is a conqueror and it is moving around to conquer the world. And that as that goes, we're going to have people that are looking to do good and we're going to see the best of human nature brought out. And then on the other side, the balancing side of that, we're going to see people not so good and that we just have to be very vigil and, and to try to take everything you know within stride and not judge, I think is my point. We shouldn't judge China, regardless of what a person's political belief is. We're talking from a standpoint of being a human family, that even China, as as standoffish and as um, difficult to deal with from people talking about trade, you know, with the trade wars between our country and their country, China has eased up the trade. I mean, that's a huge, that's, that's huge for them to just consider that. That tells you what their pain level is over there to back off something that has been in the news, our country, their country, our country, that has to tell you what they're going through as people. You know, they have fathers and mothers and, and husbands and wives, just like what we have. So, you know, the psychological preparation and just being prepared, you have to really start deciding what type of person you're going to be. What are you going to bring to the table? Because when it does make its way, and it is making its way, that's what's going to take in order for it to be defeated. So some counts are saying that um, we're going to lose huge percentage of the people in the population of the world. And if you look at the count in China, China having the dense popula um, population that it has, you can't discount that on, on any level. And again, it's not the time to be an alarmist, but the pragmatic side of it is we do need to start taking account for what we can do. And since we do have um, more resources than most in our country, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, more more people outside, I think we're, you know, everybody here is like, you know, just filthy rich and, and that's not the case. But we do need to start doing the research because as we start buying machines, manufacturers that are making these machines in China are not going to be able to replace them. Yeah. So you may have to welcome your neighbor. You may have to help, you know, your block. You may have to welcome your family that you weren't talking to the last Christmas season. You have to start opening your mind to those opportunities and those mm -hmm. possibilities that you may have to use your land and home and the such like that to be that person that's trying to help and not so much standoffish and just adding to the problem. So yeah. the things that we see, psychological preparation as well as that physical preparation is definitely needed. And I appreciate that thought because, you know, a part of me wants to talk about the source of all of this. Like, where did all this come from? Who did this? This is weaponized virus, all of these things. But then when I think from my CEO brain and, you know, you walk into a room and there's a crisis at your company, you know, there's a, there's an issue. The good leader is like, okay, what do we need to do? to like take care of this, let's stop it, let's nip it in the bud, who's going to do this, this, this. And then the other leader's like, whose fault is this? Who did this? And, you know, so it's like, okay, part of me wants to know whose fault is this, who did this? But then the part of me that knows that's really not going to fix anything at this point because there are 50,000 people a day becoming infected in China. So it, right now it doesn't matter whose fault this is. It's just like, what do we need to do? to create the path back to wellness and equilibrium. Yes, and you, I think you hit the nail right on the head uh, because, as I mentioned, I, I, paid a, I paid note, but I really wasn't paying attention until I saw the, I saw the numbers, and the numbers weren't really um, – they just didn't jive. I, two weeks, three weeks, a month, I'm like, wow, those are some really small numbers. I mean, this is a really powerful virus. But at the end of the day – whether it was the the mishap of a biological lab, everyone I've talked to has asked me, L, is it weaponized? Was it on purpose? 
and here's the answer that you can glean from the news um, that's already been reported. There are certain markers when we are trying to create vaccines that we may add to a molecule, right? Um, and so there's been enough analysis. Obviously, there's enough you know, individuals out of Paris to analyze this that we have found certain markers that would be man-made, that would be added. So the second question is, well, did they weaponize it? Well, then you read of reports which says that the droplets can travel six to eight feet, which someone would say that's weaponized because it's not natural for it to travel such a long, be dispersed such a long way in the air. But at the end of the day, what you just said is ex was exactly my point. I think, based on what I'm seeing and what I'm reading, that if someone were to have had done that at this particular point in time, it's out of control for everyone. In other words, there's no one organization that can step up and say, hey, I have a vaccination for this because it would look subject. We can't even produce a vaccination for the flu, for influenza, and we have that year after year after year, and they can't predict exactly what that strain is going to look like. So it'd be very subject for someone, for anyone to stand up and say, hey, I have the vaccination for this uh, right now as it's running rampant. And then it would look suspect because if you had it, then how come you didn't introduce it earlier? Mm -hmm. From our perspective, if someone did that, then it, we would have to raise our eyebrows and then decide again, what type of person are we going to be? Are we going to let them vaccinate us in something we don't know? So Yeah, because when you were saying that, that's my next question. Like, okay, what... Because right now, when it's when it's flu season, I do not line up to go get a vaccination. I haven't had a flu vaccination since I was in high school, and it was mandatory. You know, so when there is a vaccination that creeps up on the scene, because there will be one that creeps up on the scene, in your professional opinion, like, do you get that or do you not get that? Well... Here's my answer to that. And, you know, and, and I'm going to glean on those years as I was a nutritionist because that's the equivalent of when someone um, would come to me where I'm doing a nutritional program and they have cancer and they have learned that what you are telling them to do is working. Uh, not by my measurement. A lot of my um, clients would be measured um, by their own doctors when they would do their blood tests and the such like that. And the numbers would be affected. And that that was my goal. I didn't want it to be my subject, you know, opinion. So whether you vaccinate or not vaccinate, that's really a personal opinion based on the individual because every individual may have a different level of health. Whereas if someone naturally has just a stronger constitution and hasn't been vaccinated ever, they may be at less risk if they vaccinate. Whereas if someone that just, you know, has reaction and has, has had an allergic reaction may question it on a whole different level. So I think that's a part of that psychological preparation. Um, in as much as that, I want to point this out. This is why my, my professional opinion is that even if someone tried to plan this, that it's beyond anyone's imagination on, on what it's looking like now. When I was reading the paper, the publication was giving statistics on how bad influenza was in order to try to redirect our thoughts here in the U.S., it was saying California was hit with a measles epidemic, you know, just a week ago. And look at the influenza. Influenza has killed, and the number was huge. And I looked at that, and I go, oh, my gosh, because you just basically put on blast getting vaccinated for influenza. In other words, it's not working because you're telling me that millions and millions and millions of people are getting in the flu and it's killing tens of thousands of people. Yeah. And is it? Yeah. So right. it's not working. <laughs> so that when I read that, my point is, is the way my brain works. I go, wow, you are really trying hard to get us to be redirected towards something other than Corona to the point where you're really willing to make yourself look bad and shoot yourself in the foot when it comes to those that are pro-vaccination. And so that's why I go back to my original statement. This is a time and a period where people psychologically are going to have to make a determination of what side of helpfulness they're on. Because the next, the next question I always get is a religious one. 
is is this the apocalypse you know was this man did god ordain this and and so you start having again that alarmist mentality and asking questions that half the time they're asking individuals that can't answer that anyway and so what i'm saying is is okay well what if it is the end time for everyone it still says the same thing what type of person are you going to be up until the end if then it is does it matter does it matter because you still have to determine are you going to be on the helpful side or are you not mm-hmm. and so having survived through you know we see um spanish influenza the bubonic plague polio rhino sars in 2003 we've seen all these things come and go we don't know you just don't know if is this one going to come and go i mean the numbers are just skyrocketing but at the end of the day it still beckons what type of person are you and what type of person are you going to be are you going to really play game well are you going to follow suit on the side of helpfulness or are you not are you going to be prepared or are you going to not be prepared and and that's really in our country right now as we're having this ability to watch everything take place that's what we're going to have to ask because um one thing for certain corona has already made it the CIA they have a count of administrative lands that they consider to be the entire world at one time that count was 210 you know years decades ago and um last time i looked at another report it was like 220 administrative lands i go okay let's just say it's 220 administrative lands okay the cia is counting and then we look in the paper and see that it's an 18 or 20 it's 10% it's already conquered 10% of the world it's breached borders it doesn't care about age doesn't care about wealth doesn't care what your bloodline is how wealthy you are it's already breached 10% of the world so by the means of conquering it's on a rampage so again preparation and psychological preparation and being prepared to help that's really about the best foothold that we have as we see it coming i appreciate that and i will add that level of just moving mindfully through the world moving mindfully through your day and you know like i said when i we first started the show i immediately think about the cannabis culture and the people who you know if i've got a joint and there's three people around me i'm i'm going to offer it to them you know and so we're at a point now where i'm like don't think i'm rude when i tell you to smoke your own i've got mine you know just all these little things like you know maybe necessarily let's not shake hands these days let's uh you know give the good old fist bump or you know a little howie mandel elbow bump like i don't know but you know like these little things that you're just like be mindful be kind you know be helpful be all of these things but at the end of the day like you know don't think that you're living in a bubble that the United States is this little safe haven where everything else is falling down around us but we're in this, you know, gold-plated bubble because it's not like that. That's right. That's a what well, you just hit the nail on the head. That's exactly right. And as far as the cannabis culture is concerned, um I I agree with you more than more than any other comment I've heard people talk about CBD and cannabis as of recent because just introducing that concept to the country and moving people away from the thought that it's just connected with drugs versus the medicinal use that people have been saying for the longest time it is helping me we've already breached the psychological barrier and having to change people's opinion and so that helpfulness and and how helpful you know a person really is and they're opening their their arms and their heart to being able to do what it is that they can and of course no one expects them to overextend themselves but i believe it it's a mentality like that that is shared within the cannabis culture that um that really is going to help make the difference and not coming down to simply just what religion you are because if god really is watching anything he's watching how you exercise the life that you that he gave you Amen. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to share links to some of the things that you give me in the show notes at casuallybake.com and I really encourage you listening to 
to share this with the people that you care about in your life. Elle has done such a good job of keeping the people that he cares about informed. And so I asked him to, um, to pass that wisdom onto our tribe. And, you know, I just, just be thoughtful, be thoughtful, be meticulous in your own health and wellness. And don't be afraid. Like this is not for, I'm not trying to scare anybody. And I think Elle, I think I appreciate the way you did that. This is, this is not an alarmist thing. Go ahead, say something. What are you going to say? Uh, along with that, um, a lot of people have questions and uh, making the links and the such available, as I always say to everyone, uh, I'm not um, recommending any manufacturer. I, I've recommended no one that I have any attachments to. Uh, it's just me looking at what works because the first people I started with. But um, I'm always open to trying to help people answer questions because, and that's what I'm doing now this week. I basically am looking at the questions and trying to group them together so that people can start preparing themselves. So if they have questions or what have you, more than likely we're starting to see those same questions. So, you know, yeah. that that is there. They're one of the organizations that's starting to kind of support giving, uh, affording me time to do more research and keeping people abreast of what's coming and what they can do for their own personal situation because it is different. Well, certainly, and if you'll share that stuff with me, I, you know, people can help you in, you know, give back to you in the research that you're doing so that we can keep this kind of stuff going. So, you know, it's, we're paying it forward, so to speak. So, um, and if you have questions in your car, at home, in the shower, wherever you're listening right now, um, when you go to casuallybake.com, look at the show notes for podcast 123, there's a section in the bottom where you can leave comments. You can ask questions, all of those things. I will scour that stuff. And between Elle and I, we will make sure that we're doing our part to make sure that, you know, our community is informed so that we we don't have to end up like China. Yeah, absolutely. And if anything, uh, even from here, even if it's just prayer for Jehovah and through him and the people over there, if that's, you know, your power, then make that your power and then do that for them. And if your power is, you know, just being positive and being helpful, um, be mindful of the fact that, you know, it's now um, a, a world global family event and not really just a country because it is here. We just haven't heard them update us on what the counts are anymore. Yeah, because, I mean, there was there was someone in the Bay Area, I believe, that had, you know, so it's like they're, they're talking of like this one elusive person and I'm like, mm there's one there's more yes yes and, and that that has to be the assumption now we we have to make that assumption and more importantly also that that kind of says that we we don't want to really put this all on our government either you know that that's kind of my point on on being psychologically prepared we we have to really kind of sit down and and, and reason on these things so that we can prepare ourselves and and not look to the government for the answers because yeah. The, Have a healthy mistrust of your government. <laughs> <laughs> because right now, I mean, from what we see, we see um, a government struggling, just struggling with getting their arms wrapped around just, you know, the pushback from the virus. They're not even thinking about how do I cure this? or They're just trying to, you know, just pull up their pants and with all the people that are not making it now that are mm -hmm. perishing. Well, and a lot of times with government, it's the optics. They're really like, this is a PR disaster right now. They're not necessarily looking for a fix. They're, they're looking to Hands like off. fix the picture of like, oh my gosh, what's going on? So that's why we have to have soldiers outside of there that are doing the things that they know to do using their skills, their intelligence, like their gift to help solve the problem because you're right like this is not a problem just for the government to solve because half the time the government's what gets us into half the problems that we have yes well and again we don't hear any constant update outside of some of the same numbers really being reported so um and the, again this is what i'm telling my family and friends uh, don't wait for them because we see the governments already i told um, one of my best friends this week it's like God is giving her a warning shot. You can't depend on your government. Look, they're running themselves ragged, just trying to keep up with the people that are dying. So it's not even to say 
that the government has any, you know, hidden agenda. And I'm not saying they do. I'm not saying they don't. What I'm saying is you don't have time to contemplate and to think that because that same energy you are going to need to figuring out what the solution is for your immediate situation. And the government and the hospitals, the primary effect on healthcare workers is what we're seeing. The healthcare workers, look at the strike in Hong Kong. When they did not, when the government did not close off the border to China and allow citizens to come in, they went on strike. Well, how was the epidemic supposed, the pandemic supposed to, you know, be curbed? They couldn't. So that's why, you know, I'm telling everyone close to me, these are the steps that you need to prepare. You need to make sure and you you have your own ozone machine. You have your own, you know, pantry stocked up. Don't wait for these things because mm -hmm. by the time we hear that number, when that number hits our shore and they start releasing based on the fact that they can't deny it, like with China, um, some individuals said that it was their lack of information, availability, and, and, and transparency that led to this. At this particular point in time, I go, you know, it's just so bad that what would you have done differently? You just don't know. I don't think they could have prepared themselves for what they're going through now. I don't think any country can prepare themselves for right now. Mm -hmm. So the best thing that a person can do is to make sure that they're not leaning on the government. But at the same token, um, it will do no good if a person is stopping to contemplate the hidden agenda. This government, yeah, because you'll show up at Sam's or Costco and the shelves will be empty. They'll be completely gone. And, <laughs> and um, China, China is the second largest economy. We are talking about that. It is the second largest economy in the world. So you already know and you hear that the airplanes are not flying and the ships, if you haven't heard, the ships then by default cannot be coming and going in and out of China. So that means that our countries have to then go off of what we have on hand and in store. And then we had the individuals from Hong Kong spreading out to other countries in order to go to the next country they wanted to go to. So you have to know that kind of like that accordion, accordion effect on the freeway. The, the, the accident was four miles up, but then this part is slow, that part is fast, and it just keeps going until the accident is completely gone. We're in that accordion effect internationally. Mm -hmm. So it's not a question of if, it's just a question of when. And questioning whether or not the government has this hidden agenda, uh, you know, the, the not belief, but the obvious fact is, is that the governments right now that are confronting the coronavirus have their hands full with just trying to push back against, you know, not having all the dead bodies pile up, let alone getting to the people that need help. So we just are not going to be able to depend on them in that particular way. So it's going to rely on us to depend on, you know, that block party, person next door, you know, mm -hmm. person to the left and left and to the right of you, and, and literally going from that standpoint. So if we're going to glean a hopeful message from this, because... I like to end things on a positive, hopeful note. Yeah, this all sucks. However, we do have the opportunity to build bonds within our families, within our communities, and tighten up your own household. Get everything, get your own personal health and wellness together. Make sure that you know your neighbors. You know these people. You have relationships. Start becoming more of a community and keep your hands and your nose clean and all the good stuff. And yeah, Elle, I really appreciate you being here. I want to wrap it up. Is there any kind of final thing that you want to leave or some, you know, shameless plug, whatever? I want to just give you the floor for one second. <laughs> uh, the shameless plug. No, no. You know, <laughs> the, the fact of the matter is, is that um, the research that uh, that I'm doing right now is is ongoing. So, We've mentioned sealing up the gut and nutritionals that will do that. You know, uh, we've mentioned um, ozonating, you know, water and the such like that. Um, there are some other technologies that may be required um, in different households that we were talking, um, like cloth that actually collects onions. Most people would be like, well, what the heck is an onion indication? So um, the, the short story is there's other technologies that I'm trying to bring, um, you know, to the forefront that people can actually reach out to because um, at some particular point in time, we know the manufacturers are not going to be able to meet, you know, all the demands at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I constantly am looking so that's trying to spread out the technology that uh, based on the years of experience that I know really will help 
in uh, the case of just not only just fighting off the coronavirus, but also addressing the pneumonia mm-hmm. or addressing, you know, any other particular respiratory issue like asthma at the same time that can be set off. Mm-hmm. So um, that's pretty much the bottom line is really just keep checking in with you there here at Casually Baked so that they can stay updated. Um, and it would be very, it's very helpful for me because I can actually give you the articles that are coming and that we're translating right from the Chinese uh, on, you know, on ground in China and in Hong Kong and the such so that uh, people can, you know, stay, um, stay up to date. And that's really the biggest thing. All right. Well, I appreciate you today and always. And thanks for listening to this um, public service announcement from Casually Baked today. Casually Baked, the podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.